Go with me to John 13. John chapter 13. And let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you once again today for every person here. Thank you for your word, for the spirit of God who gives us life. Thank you for, for direction now, instruction and in righteousness. Lord, may each one receive what they need today to be thoroughly furnished and equipped for the master's use. Lord, we ask you for utterance in the Holy Ghost and boldness to speak your word. May each person have eyes to see and hearts open and receptive. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, John chapter 13, you remember we're in a series, have been for a little while, on the love of God. Okay? We are studying the love of God. Is that an important subject? If you've ever read the Bible to any extent, you know that the love of God is of primary importance with the Lord, okay? There were one thing that you should master and get down in your life. It would be the love of God. And this is God's love to us, in us, and through us, all right? And if we get established in this love, there are so many things that will be set in order in life, and you can be assured that you're doing what God expects you to do. Now, John 13, 34 Jesus said here, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And again, this was important, primarily important with Jesus. As we've read and previously have read over in Romans chapter 13, we find that this is the fulfillment of the law. All the uh, commandments that were given in the Old Testament, really in the Old Covenant, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments are all summed up in this one law. How many know if you love somebody, you don't really have to think about, is it right to murder you know, if you're really walking in this love, you don't have to think, is it right for me to steal from you? Is it right for me to lie, to bear false witness, or to commit adultery, or, or, or do one of these things? Really, the love question answers every one of those, okay? Any command that was given to curb sin is contained within the law of love, all right? And it's an easy way for someone, if you you know, especially if you don't know what the Bible says about a particular subject, would it be okay for me to do such and such? Is, it, is, is this all right? Uh, well, if you answer this question, what would love do? All right. How would love act in this situation? Many, many of those questions are answered simply in that because much of the explanation and teaching we have in the New Testament is simply an, an explanation, an expounding of how love works of how love acts, okay? And whether we talk about the fruit of the Spirit over in Galatians 5 or some of the other things that we're told to do, they're really, again, an expansion of the love of God, all right? And so, again, that will help us to understand. I want you to look with me at Galatians chapter 2 today. Galatians chapter 2. What we've been doing is, is uh, of course, we took some time talking about God's love for us, that we know how much he loves us and I don't mean that because we stopped majoring on that that uh, that we've really finished or that we've exhausted it it's something that it would do us well to meditate on regularly in our lives and uh, one reason I like to teach in series is because I can get us to think about a subject for more than 45 minutes 
Okay, and then be, before we know it, we're off onto something else, and nothing really got established in our hearts. Some of these things, it's really important that we spend time on, and even the time we spend together, I don't think it's sufficient. Okay, I don't think it's sufficient to carry you throughout the week. Sometimes people think of that, think of church that way. Well, I need to go in there, get my boost, and and helps carry me, and and then if you know if I'm feeling weak, I'll get in here on Wednesday night, and that'll give me the boost to get through the rest of the week. And and uh, and there may be a little bit of truth to that, but I really believe that it's not sufficient for a person who's really living for God. We need fellowship with Him every day. Okay, and here's the other thing with the. Th- things that I'm teaching you now and the scriptures that I read, uh, they will help, they will feed your spirit, they'll give you enlightenment in your soul, but it's not enough if you don't think about it the rest of the day, okay? We've got to have these things uh, coming continually up to us. Remember Joshua 1 verse 8, we are to meditate in the word or in the law uh, day and night, okay? When these things are a constant meditation of our heart, they become established in us and they really produce how we're going to live, all right? But you can be a Christian and think like the world, you can be saved and legitimately say, you know, I love God, I want to live for Him, but have thinking that is contrary to the way that God thinks, contrary to His Word, and therefore you will live according to what's in your mind, okay? You're not going to live just out of your spirit automatically, not going to live according to the new nature of the, of the person you are in Christ. It, our minds have to be trained and, and really reprogrammed, brainwashed, if you will, uh, so that we think and, uh, and have our thoughts in line with God's Word, okay? And that does not come by osmosis. It doesn't come by accident. It doesn't come by, by getting people to pray for you. Are you listening? I, I realize sometimes people think this way. I think, you know, that they've been out doing their own thing for years, haven't been living for God, haven't been in church, and they think, you know, a little... Uh, time in church. I come to church and everything's going to be fixed just like that. Or maybe if I get a little counseling, I can just go through an hour's session of counseling and and get my life completely fixed and turned around just like that. Can I tell you up front? No. No. Now you can be saved just like that. You can even be healed just like that. But as far as the complete direction and order of your life, it takes time. Come on now, you've got, if you've got person A being faithful and hearing the word and they, they spend time thinking about it, they read the Bible on their own and they, they spend time with God in prayer and they're faithful and they're changing over the years and you've got person B who pops in her head in once in a while. Do you think they're going to live the same life? Man, no way, no way. It, it, when a person will dedicate their, themselves to the Lord and His word and say, I'm going to let His word be the guiding force in my life, that's going to make a difference. And it's really going to help. And we cannot just think that, oh, just, just a quick little brush by of someone's hand across my head and everything's going to be all right. Mm. No, because you can't cast someone's thoughts out. Hmm. We can cast the sickness out. We've got authority over the devil to cast the devil out. But what about someone's brain? What if your brain is your biggest problem? <laughs> and I use that figuratively because I'm really talking about your soul. Really talking about your mind and the way that you think, your emotions, and, and, and how do you deal with that? How do you deal with someone who continually yields to the flesh? Every time their body speaks up, yep, 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 they, they, they respond to it. Every time their, their flesh says, I want this, they give it to it. Every time it's hungry, quick, there's the refrigerator. Every time they want entertained, whoop, I'm there. Every time they're, uh, they're feeling tired, whoop, I'm just going to take a nap. In other words, they're led around by the feelings of their natural flesh. What can you do to help a person like that? 
You can't pray for them and make it go away. What if we get 12 people to pray for them? What if we fast for them? Listen, some things only come certain ways. It's called the renewing of the mind. I have got to think like God thinks. I have got to live that way. And if God says, uh, for example, in, in Hebrews, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is becoming, the manner of some is, well, there is something that, uh, that is produced in my life as a result of gathering with the saints. Result of gathering. Not just say, well... We're all a part of the, the body of Christ, everyone. Well, that's true, but he didn't say that as long as you're part of the body of Christ, everything will be okay. Come on, your eternity's good, but your here and now is not. And I don't know about you, I'm really secure about heaven. I'm feeling really good about it. I, I'd never think, man, I wonder how that's going to be. In the sense that, I, it, like a negative, or I wonder if I'm going to make it. No, whatever, man, I'm, I'm secure in him. But my here and now... I've got to deal with that every day. I don't know about you, but I've got to, I've got to deal with the here and now every day, the, thing, the things in this life, uh, you know, trials and tests that come, all the different things I've got to deal with. That's the stuff I focus on. Okay? Oftentimes people want to put all the promises of God, all the blessings of God off into glory time when, we, when we're all called up yonder. right? When the roll is called, we'll be there. And uh, we put it off into that time, but again... That's good. Someone said, well, you'll be healed in heaven. Man, you don't need healed in heaven. There's no sickness in heaven to be healed of. Okay, where do people need healed? Here, now. And so I must train myself to think like God thinks. Praise the Lord. Anyway, that was extra. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians 2.20 says, but, says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, we're learning here and getting our mind renewed about how Christ dealt with us. What did he do? He loved us and gave himself for us. And because we're focusing right now on allowing the love of God to come through us towards others. All right, not being a hindrance, but letting it freely flow through us. I must recognize up here in my mind. Okay, how does this love act? How does God deal with me? How, because he's perfect in love. He himself is love. How does he treat me? Then I can know how I'm to treat others. All right. And so what happened here? He loved me and gave himself for me. So I can see that if I say I love someone, what does that mean? It means I give myself for them okay those who walk in this love will not live for what others can do for them but what they can do for others they they will give their lives for the object of their love okay many uh, people misunderstand this again and in their expression of i love someone i love you really what they mean is i love me 
And really, I think if we were completely honest, and if everyone in the world were completely honest and they had no ability to lie whatsoever, you'd, you'd hear a lot of this. Uh, uh, you'd hear some of this when people, uh, when a man and woman first were interested in, in each other and they were spending time and they'd see each other and he would look her in the eyes and say, I love me. And she would look back and say, oh, that's so sweet. I love me too. And because really, they say, the, they say the opposite, but they typically don't mean that because they don't understand love. What they really love is how that person makes them feel. They love what that person can do for them. They love how that person makes them look. And they should really be honest. Some people, in, in mar- they're married, and they really should adjust their words to be honest with how they act. Because if they don't give their life for the person, then we cannot uh, correctly say that they love that person, not with this kind of love. They should really say, you know, the anniversary comes up. I love me. <laughs> and I really enjoy what you can do for me. <laughs> I'm so glad I married you because, I, you know, now you can do this, this, and this for me, and you're always there. there. <laughs> instead of what we what we think the words are just the magic words and they make everything good and everything okay no here's what matters action here's what matters uh, and there's nothing wrong with the words but i love you which means this should mean this i give myself to you I'm, i lay my life down for you if you have need that's what i'm here for okay it doesn't live for itself but lives for others we must love others even more than we love ourselves this is the this is the new testament commands if someone thought man this is easy we only got to do one thing well this is it okay it's not the easiest thing in the world to do according to uh, you know but in the speaking of the flesh otherwise you'd see all kinds of people just man the most selfless people on the planet but it is a giving of one's life look at second corinthians chapter 12 second corinthians 12 The Apostle Paul was, uh, had much revelation about the love of God and walked in it himself. He said in verse 14, Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours but you. The children, for the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And of course he was like a spiritual parent to them. But notice what Paul said, that he would not be, he would not be burdensome to them. How does the love of God act towards others? If I am walking in love towards you, I am not going to be a burden to you. And again, many people will say, oh, I love you. And then they are a constant weight on other people's lives. They're a constant burden. They are a work. I mean, every time they get around, get around, everyone else has to focus on them because they are so needy. Listen, the love of God is not needy. Are you listening? Now, you could take me wrong and get mad at me or anything if you want, but it doesn't mean that a good, solid Christian doesn't ever have any needs that, they need, to be, that need to be met. I'm talking about they're not a needy person. They're always... Sucking. 
out of everyone. They're, they suck their time. You know, you can't get away from them. Now, I'm not looking anyone in the eye. I, we love everyone. I wouldn't tell you this. I could just be liked. I could just say nice things. And you'd all be happy with me. But, you know, if you're a kind of person who is always sucking other people's time up, you're always a drain on their resources, whether you're emotionally, financially, in any, any other way. You, you're always mm, you're sucking the life out of everyone. That's not the love of God. And you may say, well, I really care for them. No, you really care for you. you you're around them because what they can do for you. Are you listening now? And if I want to walk in this love, I am not going to be a burden to people. And so when I get around, people aren't going to think, oh, yeah. They're going to think, oh, good, they're here. They're probably going to help. They're going to lift me up. They're going to make my day better. If I'm having something's going on, they're going to be here to assist as opposed to just being a burden and sucking the life out of everyone, okay? And uh, well, what Paul's talking about here in this verse, he is even, he's talking about finances, okay? He's saying, when I show up, I'm not after what's yours. He said, I want you. My love is for you. It's not what you can do for me. It's not the money you can give me. He said, I'm not going to be a burden to you when I come financially because I'm like a parent to you. You don't have to lay up for me. I'm, gonna, I'm laying up for you. Okay, I'm going to be taking care of you. And that's the attitude that we need to have towards each other is that, uh, is that we're, we're there to give. Okay, We're there to supply. We're, we're not to, uh, to be taking the life out of people, but giving towards others. Now, John 13, if you'll turn there with me. John chapter 13. I think the reason that some people are... Uh, such a burden, uh, have so many burdens in their life is simply because they are a burden. And I, I know that sounds, sounds cruel, but that's why we, we talk to groups and not one-on-one. <laughs> so no one knows who we're talking about. <laughs> and I'm partly joking, but I'm, seriously, I'm serious in principle here, okay? Uh, I, I want to have fun with this, but some people, they are a burden to other people. And this is just something simply we should all analyze ourselves, me included, okay? Am I just a burden to everyone? Am I just a weight in other people's lives? Am I a, am I a, am I a weight in this church? Am I a contribution, okay, in my family? Am I, am I a weight in the family where everyone always is, has, to, has to meet my needs and has to take care of me? Or am I contributing something, okay? Am I being a blessing to others in, in my life? That's the love of God, okay? In John 13, in verse 3, the Bible says, Jesus here, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he, that he had come from God and was going to God. We, we need to stop for just a moment before we read any further. Understand the mindset that Jesus is in right now at this point. He knows where he came from. He knows where he's going. He knows the authority that he has. That all authority has been given to him. He, he, he knows what, what, what has happened here. He knows... Man, this is big time. I can't even completely explain it. But the reason he's t- the Bible is telling us here that he knew these things, he obviously was mindful of them. He said, didn't Jesus always know these things? Well, no, he didn't when he was born. 
So did Jesus pop out of the womb and say, here I am, the Messiah? He probably said, well, <laughs> didn't know much. But hey, he grew in wisdom and stature, as the, as the scripture says. And, and he came to know who he was, that he was the, uh, the incarnate one, God born into the, as a man, right? And he knew at this point, this was going through his mind. He said, wow, I'm God. I know where I came from, know where I'm going. I know the authority that I have. And with that going through his mind, okay, anyone in here, you might feel like you know where you're at. Man, I have command of this many people at my job, and I have these assets, and I, I command this respect and authority. Fine. You know where you're at? Here's what Jesus did. He said, it said uh, in verse 4, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which which he he was girded. Okay, so why would he wash their feet? Well, first of all, their feet were dirty. Okay, I mean, no, their culture was a little bit different than ours. All right, typically, if you're uh, here, you know, your feet aren't necessarily dirty unless you're all dirty. There, they walked around in in dust and in sandals, and someone could be relatively clean, uh, but still have dirty feet. Okay, and it was a common practice then when they went into a house that people would wash their feet. And, uh, and, and so that's what he was doing. Of course, that's not a real pleasant thing to do, especially with somebody else's feet. You know, I'm not so excited about washing my own feet, <laughs> uh, let alone somebody else's feet, right? It's like gross. Have you seen some people's feet? <laughs> Nasty. But, Je- but Jesus, what did he do? He stooped down. And he knew he was God, and knew, he knew he had all authority. Come on now, he knew who, where, who he was, where he came from, where he's going. And in that mental condition, he wasn't feeling bad about himself that day. Well, I'm just not feeling very worthy today. He didn't wake up on the wrong side of the bed, and he was kind of a little insecure that day and thought, well, I'll just wash people's feet. No, he was feeling like the top dog and, and, and was the top it's hard to say top dog we're talking about the lord <laughs> he was the big cheese <laughs> the head honcho <laughs> the main man <laughs> right and in that condition he knew how the very top should act and then verse six he came to simon peter and peter said to him lord you are washing my feet he said are, excuse me are you washing my feet Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> Let me know if you're wrong, you're wrong. Change, quick. <laughs> Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. But is com- uh, needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. All right, now you can see what he's doing here. He's drawing a, he said, Peter, you don't need your head washed. <laughs> You're clean. It's just your feet. And then he draws the spiritual parallel as well here. And talking about how, the, how they were clean because of the, really later he said, because of the word that he spoke to him. He said in, in verse 11, for he knew 
who would betray him, and that's the one that was not clean, he, uh, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than, than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. All right. And so these are the words of the master, knowing again who he was, knowing his authority and his position, he stooped and he served his disciples. Okay? He acted with the form of a servant. Did he have to do that? No, he chose to do that. Was anyone requiring this of him? No, he knew his position. This is how a true leader acts. This is how a person in in charge and with authority is supposed to behave. They are to act as a servant. Jesus operated in love 100% of the time. The love of God is who he was and how he acted. And I can tell you this, if we're walking in love, we are going to serve. We're going to be servants. Okay, now we say, what about the foot washing? Do we need to do that? Well, we understand that's somewhat cultural. Okay, not that it couldn't be a humbling experience for someone and, and show some honor and respect. But typically, we're not going to wash each other's feet because we're not walking around in sandals in the dirt. All right, that was very cultural for them and what they did. But are we to serve each other? That's how the love of God acts. Okay. And if I'm really operating in this love of God, I am going to be looking for opportunities to serve people. Some said, but I serve God. You don't serve God without serving people. So I love the Lord. I just, it's just people I don't like a whole lot. You don't love the Lord like you think you love the Lord. Our love for God, our respect for God, our service towards God is demonstrated in our service towards people. We need to have, and the high, listen, the higher we go, the more we attain in life, the more people who, who, who respect you and, and you've accomplished great things, even more reason to follow the example of the master and get down on your knees and serve somebody. Find something that you can do for someone. Listen, I'm telling you if, you, if you run a large company, it would do you well to spend time every once in a while and, and serve the lowest of your employees. Do something for them that you don't have to do, not required by your job. Serve them in some capacity. Do something for them. That's the way the love of God works. Now, obviously, we know... It's not a good use of time if Jesus did this all the time, every day. He's around washing people's feet. He wouldn't have time to do what he was called to do, okay? And we need to spend time focusing on what we're supposed to do. But it is right and proper for a person of means, a person of respect, a person of authority to serve people that are under them. Amen. This is a very important truth. I've shared this with you before. But any person who is in authority, needs to recognize uh, themselves in different ways. Uh, a person needs to recognize 
their position, who they are, the fact that if they are, have authority over others, they need to know that. They need to know their position and know their place of authority. They need to know that they are over people. They also, at the same time, need to know that they are equal to those people. And at the same time, they need to know that they are under those people. And a, a proper balance of those three understandings makes a great leader. And when I say under, as a servant. Okay, let's, take, let's, let's just throw this out here for the home. What about someone's home life? What about a husband? We know Ephesians chapter 5 that the Bible says, uh, teaches us that the husband is to be the head of his wife even as Christ is the head of the church. Right? Now a good head in the home will recognize, yes, I have authority responsibility I have charge there is a there's a place that God has given me as the head of my home it's important that he knows that okay and I can give it examples that I won't take time uh, but secondly he must realize that in his family he is also equal to his spouse his children in, in many ways he is on the same that he's not a better person per se he has no more value inherently he's equal to and he must also realize that in some respects he's under Okay, not under an authority, but if he's a good authority, he will serve. How many know he's supposed to lay down his life like Christ laid down his life for the church? That makes a good, strong head of a home. Okay, what you have is uh, oftentimes is people know one part of that. Some are tyrants and they only know, bless God, I'm in charge here. I'm the head of this house and you're going to do what I say and, and you are a jerk too. And you don't know anything, the first thing about being a leader. Okay, you're out of balance. And then you got others. This is, real, this is common in our society today. They want to make everyone equal. And they only know the equal part. They only know everybody's the same. It's just a, you know equal authority. And that's baloney too. It's called making everything common. God's against that. In, in numerous ways throughout the scripture, there are things that are to be set aside and set apart as different. Are we the same in some, way, in some ways? Absolutely. But are we also different in some ways? Yes, and it's important that we acknowledge that. Okay, and uh, and so some people they they don't have and they, no decisions can be made and there there can be oftentimes you know if everything's equal what you have there is a two-headed freak, right? And it's and and everything needs to have one head. Okay, and then the third thing is if as a, a, a the leader the man a husband in a home only knows uh, the servant side, well he's going to be run over. He's not going to be able to lead effectively. He'll never be able to hear from God and make a decision concerning his house, concerning his family. And so they really need to be all three of those in balance. Amen. I'll stir it up. Or I'll go over it again. (laughs) Praise God. And so Jesus gave us an example that love serves. If you're walking in love, you're a servant. Now, now go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 this time. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13. 5.13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. What are we supposed to do? 
serve one another. If you want to overcome the flesh, serve somebody else. He said, don't take this liberty that you have now. You have this liberty in Christ. What's this liberty? It's, it's freedom from sin. It's not freedom to do sin. It's freedom from sin. We're, we're, we're free from it. We have liberty. He said, but use that liberty now that you have to serve. In other words, sometimes people, they had this, or this wouldn't be written. And this is given for us, so we have the same issues to deal with. People feel free. I can do anything, man. I am saved. I'm free. I'm heaven bound. I've been made righteous and clean. And yeah, I can do anything I want now. And he said, use this freedom that you have. Use it to serve somebody. That's who you are. That's how love operates. Okay? We are saved to serve. That's the attitude we need to have. The Lord gives us, you know, we talk about how the Lord wants us to have health. The Lord wants us to have wealth. The Lord wants us to be happy. He wants us to be fulfilled. But to what end? To the end is not, well, man, I got some stuff, feeling good, happy, enjoying life. And that's the end. That's the, that's the sum total of why God did this for me. No, He does this for us so we can turn around and serve. And if we don't have that, we miss the whole point, okay? We miss the whole point of God's blessing in our life if we're not using these things to serve other people. I believe that many, many people remain immature in their life. They remain babies in grown-up bodies because they never serve. Can I tell you this? Love and maturity go hand in hand. Again, you can, you can, we can use the example of a child. A child does not live selfless. They are completely selfish, which is the opposite of love. The more someone grows, the more they become aware of others and others' needs and how their actions impact them. And for the person who is all grown up in a grown-up body, saved but never serves, they're thinking too much about themselves, and that's, by definition, immature. Many people are missing an opportunity to grow. Watch how much you would, you'll grow when you begin to serve, when you begin to give your life for someone else. So, but I'm busy. I know, you are, big baby. <laughs> and if you think I'm, throwing, I think I'm condemning, I'm not. I understand busy. It's not like I don't understand what you're saying. It's not like I think, you know, you're not busy. I understand being busy. But I'm telling you how to grow. I'm telling you how to develop in this love. You've got to serve, man. You got to serve others. You got to serve the Lord by, and we serve the Lord by serving people, laying down our lives and giving up our time, giving up our resources at times for someone else's benefit, and it's not for us at all. I'm just there to serve. Typically, you'll find people in church that are the happiest, the most fulfilled, getting the most out of the messages and all that's happening, are the people who serve in the church as well. They're quick to give their time, their, their energy. They'll, they'll come early or stay late to get things done. They're, 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 they're there to serve. Okay? So, so I don't know if that's true. Well, you can believe me because of the word's sake, or you can go ahead and try it out. All right? Start laying down your life a little bit. See what happens. And, uh, you know, serving is not just for five-fold ministers. Well, I'm not called to be a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist. I'm gonna, we're all called to serve, though, Amen. in some capacity. And uh, we don't want to have the attitude of, uh, 
of, of Cain. Remember Cain after he killed his brother? Genesis 4. Cain killed his brother, and, uh, and the Lord came after Cain and said, Cain. He said, uh, where's Abel, your brother? What did Cain say? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? One, he's got an attitude. You can see how sin had already crept into the human race. Well, I don't know. That's a lie. And then he said, am, am I my brother's keeper? What's the answer? What's the correct answer to that? Yes, you should be. We are here to look out for each other. You know, people say it's not my day to watch him. <laughs> well, maybe it is, and you just didn't know it was. Maybe we ought to be looking out for each other a little bit more than we used to. Maybe we ought to be thinking about each other and how someone else is doing. Okay? Not to turn that other person into a, a dependent relationship upon you, because that's unhealthy for them. But we ought to be looking to serve others. Looking and, and knowing what's going on. Are you your brother's keeper in this church? Man, I sure want you to be. I sure think the Lord wants us to be. We're watching out for each other. We're serving each other and helping each other in all the things that we do. You know, uh, hmm, I'm running out of time. Let, let, let's go real quick. Uh, let's throw this into Galatians ch chapter 6. We'll read this real quick. Galatians 6. Verse 1, it says, Brethren, if any man is overtaken in a trespass, you are, who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Who should restore them? The spiritual people. Why spiritual? Because those who are carnal, don't, they're not concerned about others. They don't even know if someone else is hurting. They just know if they're hurting. Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you, you also be tempted. He said, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What do you mean, bear one another's burdens? Well, uh, th that really speaks about the word burden there can mean weights, that we are to watch out for the weights that are on somebody else's. And what this word literally means is, uh, is, is it's a weight that exceeds the strength of those who are under them. In other words, uh, there are times when we're dealing with things and, you know, we can handle it. And it's not necessarily we have to be rushing to everyone's hangnails. But when someone is under a weight that exceeds their ability to get it off of them, that's what we got to be here for. We're here to serve each other. We're here to help lift those things off. We're bearing one another's burdens. Okay? What did he say? And so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Can you know that that's love? The law of Christ is the love of God. And what is that? how is that love manifest? By helping other people when they got so much weight on them they can't get it off. He goes on to say, For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But it let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Verse 5, For each one shall bear his own load. Now, King James uses the same word, and people thought there's a contradiction. It's actually two different Greek words there. But uh, uh, he said, let each one bear his own load. This word is actually, uh, you could say, burden or load, and it is proportionate to that person's strength. In other words, if you've got things in your life and you can handle them, man, don't be calling on everybody else. And being, here's where we go back to the beginning, just being a burden to everyone. Every little thing you got going on, you're sucking the life out of other people to help you fix your situation. If, you, if it's something you can handle, come on, walk with the Lord, draw on His strength and handle it. 
I hope it doesn't sound, not sound hard to anyone, but this, this is Scripture. If something is, uh, you see someone else and they've got something and it's too big for them. Man, it's more than they can handle. We are to bear one another's burdens. That's the law of Christ. If we let them go, we're not walking in love. All right, let me finish with this. John 10, John 15, and 1 John 3. And we'll, we'll, go, we'll go quick with this. John 10. Verse 15. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. What does he do? He lays down his life. This is love manifest in the flesh. John 15. Verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You get this lay down your life thing? 1 John 3, 1 John chapter 3, back of the book, verse 16, by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus is our example. He stooped to his knees to wash some, wash some dirty, stinky feet. He gave his life. And he said, that's how you're going to live now. This is how you're going to love. You're going to serve others. So you mean I need to die for someone? Well, if it, came, if it comes to that, love, love would go that far. Love would go that far if it needed to. Most of us, that's not what it's going to come to, but it's called laying down our life while we're alive. That means we set our own agenda aside. We set our own needs aside, and we become mindful of the needs of others. This is the love of God. That's the goal. What's my life supposed to be about? Summed up, that's it. Man, it's the love of God and all the ways that that love, love gives. Love doesn't strike back. Remember that? Love serves. And we'll get into some more later. But love will lay down its life. Amen. Father, thank you today for your goodness. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, your presence. Lord, moving in each and every heart. Helping us to live up to this standard. Wow. It's the love of God. It's amazing. And it's powerful. Lord, And we desire to live in the fullness of this. All the days of our lives. Because as you are, so are we in this world. Lord, we've been washed and cleansed. We've been made righteous and holy. And the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, today we ask... And ask you to reveal this love to us even greater. Show us in a practical way how we may serve others. Lord, is there something you want us to do? Is there a particular area you want us to serve in? Are there some people that we know that you, want, that you would prompt us and lead us to serve? And help and be there for? Lord, we are your vessels. Lord, you've given us so much and for that we're glad. And now we purpose in our hearts today to lay down our lives for others.
lay down our lives for those around us, bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ. Lord, thank you for helping us. Thank you for giving us strength. Father, I pray for uh, any person who's come to Life Church this morning that's never been saved.